Welcome to the fourth episode of Immunology 101 series. I am Jatin and with me here is Autumn. Hi everyone. We have not had an episode out since a month just because somebody <laughs> somebody thinks their work is more important than having these episodes out. I know, for some reason I'm focusing on my PhD work. I don't know why I'm doing that, so, so sorry everyone. So if you all are not getting enough content to learn from, blame Autumn for that. You yeah. will have to blame me. You can blame my PI, unnamed PI. Un- un- unnamed PI, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so today our main focus is going to be the cells of the immune system we're going to describe some of the known cell types and give you some idea of how they are different from each other okay but as always we have to have an (laughs) antibodies joke to begin with yes and I I make sure that I don't tell these jokes to Autumn so that (laughs) (laughs) it's always a a fun surprise for me every time maybe fun is in quotes yeah yeah maybe Yeah, I'm hurt, but it's fine. No, no, don't be hurt. <laughs> okay, uh, so here it is. Ready? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A B cell and a T cell walk interview walk into <laughs> a, an interview for being detectives. Okay. Who gets the job? Um, I don't know. Tell me. <laughs> the T cell, because you cannot fake your identity from a T cell. Oh, because he knows you inside and yeah. out. So now I feel like it should have been funny, but it's just informative at this point. <laughs> <laughs> well, we will we will discuss it. So in depth yeah, we, if, if you, you if you did not get it. it, we will we will discuss this in our episode. <laughs> so let's get get right into our definitions part. Some of the definitions that we have to describe so that you don't you don't feel confused when we bring those up later in the episode. So what is the first definition? The first one is a monoclonal antibody, which I'll have Jetin describe mm-hmm. again. Again? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we already discussed monoclonal antibodies in the last episode, but just because we are bringing them up again, we have to talk them about a little bit more. Monoclone first means antibodies that come from a mono, that means a single, mm-hmm. and clone means a single cell. The way they differ is that these antibodies recognize only a particular portion of the antigen, this particular portion, which is called an epitope, a unique portion. So these are antibodies raised against a single epitope, which is different from the antibodies that are found in our blood, which are polyclonal because they are derived from multiple kinds of B cells. So they all recognize different epitopes. That makes sense. That makes sense, right? Yeah. And these monoclonal antibodies are used a lot for identifying things mm-hmm. since we know they unambiguously bind to only a particular thing and nothing else. Right. right. Like when we're when we're doing experiments. That's right. That's right. Uh, the second definition is cluster of differentiation. Mm-hmm. Which I'm def- am I defining that? You're defining <laughs> them all today. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so cluster of differentiation is a unique set of membrane protein that is that is found on a cell type so initially we did not know some of what these proteins on the membrane were doing instead of functionally characterizing them we would just give them a name a random arbitrary name um, based on what kind of if they if they react with a monoclonal antibody so let's say i have a monoclonal antibody that reacted with something called protein x and if I put that monoclonal antibody 
and if it recognizes a cell, I will say that cell is positive for this protein X. Now, instead of doing XYZ, mm -hmm. we use the nomenclature CD or cluster of differentiation. Right. So CD just by itself doesn't mean anything. It just means it's something that differentiates the cell from the others. Okay. Okay. So we have a library of these CDs. We have CDs from one to, I don't know, maybe 300 plus. And we have monoclonal antibodies that recognize each of them separately. And as we found find out what these molecules do, we get a better nomenclature for them. For example, let's say CD25. Mm -hmm. We did not know what it was, when, so we just gave it a name CD25. Then we found out the CD25 is actually a receptor for interleukin 2, which is a growth factor for T cells. Mm -hmm. So now people also refer to that as inter interleukin 2 receptor alpha, which is the more commonly known name. But if, you can, if you're still following the old nomenclature, you can still call it CD25. So unless you know what it actually does, you will just refer to it as the CD nomenclature. So um, I just have a quick question about mm -hmm. that. So how many um, like CDs can be on one single cell type? Oh, so it depends. It depends what all uh, what all uh, membrane proteins it is expressing. Mm -hmm. So I don't think there is a clear answer to that. It, it just okay. it 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 also varies right. because cells that are activated that have a lot of job to do they mm -hmm. might be expressing more proteins on the surface right. than those that are quiescent. Okay. Okay. All right. Uh, the third definition for today is cytotoxic. And I think this is the easiest one for today. Yeah. Cytotoxic means anything that's toxic to a cell. Mm -hmm. That's it. That's it. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> yes. With that, we can segue into our introduction, the what we are actually going to discuss. Okay. So we discussed about hematopoietic stem cells in our previous episode in enough detail to get the idea across. If you still don't know what hematopoietic stem cells are, I request you to please go back and check our last episode, which is episode number three of the Immunology 101 series. And also, if there's, um, you still, you go back to episode three, you still have questions, you feel like there's an area that maybe we didn't explain enough, send us an email and um, let us know and we can try to explain it more in our next episode. Yes, definitely. Um, it's yes. antibodies1 at gmail.com. Yes, please. We love emails. We love them. So please <laughs> send. Please send. All right. Today, we're going to discuss about the immune cell types. First thing that we want to understand is, remember, all of these cells, they look, they, they are different. Mm -hmm. But it's, imagine you being somebody who doesn't know there are different cell types existent. Mm -hmm. How do you figure out that there are different cell types? Not every cell in our body is the same. How do you figure that out? So imagine the kind of problem it uh, the earlier immunologists mm -hmm. would have faced. Right. So there were certain number of techniques that were used by the old people, the old scientists <laughs> right. to, to distinguish cells, okay? First, uh, first technique, uh, uh, the first, one of the first techniques that they used were called staining techniques. Mm -hmm. You would take a colorful dye, you would throw it on a cell, and let's see if the cell takes that dye or not. And whether or not it takes, you distinguish these cells based on this particular staining. So that's one way to bifurcate or have a have a better understanding of which cell type it is. Okay. Next. And the the major breakthrough in immunology <laughs> yeah. was the was the invention of flow cytometers. Yes. Flow cytometers, the earliest, the the most primitive flow cytometers, <laughs> they could distinguish cells based on two parameters. The first parameter is called the forward scatter, 
which I'm not going to discuss what that means exactly, but I'll just say that is proportional to the size. Right. So higher forward scatter means the the bigger the cell. Then the second parameter these flow cytometers would uh, determine would be side scatter. Mm -hmm. And side side scatter is proportional to the complexity or how many gra or granularity. Mm -hmm. If the cells have dense granules inside them, they would scatter this light more and that's why we have a side higher side scatter. So I will not be using the words forward scatter and side scatter anymore in this uh, podcast just for simplification. Mm -hmm. So we'll talk about size and complexity. Is that okay? That's okay with me. All right. <laughs> and the third third uh, technique that is even much even more useful. Mm -hmm. Also, it is coupled with uh, flow cytometry, of course, but yes. it's the usage of monoclonal antibodies. So if it's staining, you can see which uh, which cells stain or not. Right. Which flow cytometry you can with the basic flow cytometry, you can see what is the size of the cell relatively and what is the complexity of the cell. Yep. Using monoclonal antibodies, you can actually find out which particular cell surface proteins are expressed on these cells, which is a way better, which gives you a higher resolving power, and you can find you can distinguish cells at a much deeper level. Okay. Right. But for for now, let's stick to let's let's talk about some of the things, some of the cell types that we were able to discuss uh, discover because of flow cytometry, simple flow cytometry, mm -hmm. and staining. Okay. Okay. All right. So imagine there is a two-dimensional graph. Yes. Okay. There's a two-dimensional graph. There is a, a y-axis. Mm -hmm. There is an x-axis. On the y-axis, I have this thing called the size. Yes. Okay. On the x-axis, I have this thing called complexity. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to plot different cell types on this graph based on their size and complexity. Mm -hmm. Is that simple? That's simple enough. Th that's very simple. Okay, so let's see what all we can plot. Okay. Okay, so with respect to our graph, we're going to start with the lowest size, lowest complexity. So we'll okay. be the closest to zero, zero as as we can get. Mm -hmm. So in the bone marrow, a hematopoietic stem cell can differentiate into two progenitors, mm -hmm. myeloid and lymphoid. And we we talked about this last time. Uh, a little bit. So okay. it's just a way to differentiate these cells based on, or let's say, no, I will not use the word differentiate because <laughs> with, yeah. with hematopoietic stem cell, that means completely different. Let's say distinguish these two cell types yeah. based on what they are going to give rise to. Okay. Right. Because there are certain cell types that are derived from the myeloid cells, which we call the myeloid myeloid compartment yep. and there are certain cell types that will be coming from the lymphoid progenitors which we call the all of these all those cells will be com come under the lymphoid compartment right okay okay so in the myeloid compartment we have red blood cells which as we know transport mm -hmm. oxygen um, they come from l a large precursor cell called Proerythroblast. Hey, that's the only cell type that we have seen, right? right. Everybody has seen. <laughs> Everyone has seen this. Um, and so slowly, this this um, large precursor cell will decrease in volume and lose its nucleus to give rise to this enucleated cell, which means uh, without a nucleus, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, 
and therefore you can if you try to stain them with a nuclear dye they won't get colored so okay. that's mm -hmm. how whenever we were talking about like the three methods at first of how we can differentiate mm -hmm. cells with staining this is one way to see do you have red blood cells okay that's yeah that's really good so uh, you can see them on this on this x and y plot mm -hmm. okay size and complexity yep. and also you can stain them with a nuclear dye which are nuclear dyes are usually positively charged dyes that stick to the negatively charged DNA mm -hmm. and if you don't have DNA they are either they're going to be just scattered around and not concentrated in the in the center where the nucleus is so you can figure out there is no nucleus in the cell right and I, I, I read about this maybe in high school maybe <laughs> but uh, RBC I'm sorry <laughs> so RBCs lose lose their um, lose their nucleus um, uh, allegedly to get more uh, more volume inside the cell to carry to carry their hemoglobin cargo. Oh, okay. Okay. That's if if I'm right. Yeah. That's that's probably why. But yeah, uh, RBCs are one of the only one of the only cells in the body which are devoid of a nucleus. Right. Okay. Okay, and that's also like they have such little complexity in, mm -hmm. inside them. So th these are all th all the things that you can use to um, distinguish them. Right. right. Okay. So the next. Uh, set of cells are platelets and these are required for forming clots and myeloid progenitor cells uh, differentiate into a cell called megakaryocytes in the bone marrow. Oh, megakaryocyte. What mm -hmm. does that mean? <laughs> so let's say <laughs> so, uh, mega would mean big, <laughs> karyo yeah. would mean nucleus. Right. So these cells have giant nucleuses. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and, and they're also big themselves. Right. Mm -hmm mega mm -hmm. <laughs> um and so they uh the megakaryocytes shed their cytoplasmic materials and those are called platelets oh so platelets also don't have nucleus mm -hmm. don't have a nucleus mm -hmm. okay. saying this or weird okay but you nuclei. get it don't platelets don't have <laughs> nuclei right yeah <laughs> you get it um and they are even smaller than red blood cells yeah so um, they would be lower in that graph. Yeah, this, this you, don't you think it becomes very difficult? How, how, why would you even define that as a cell? Right. If it's just, if it's just debris. Right, <laughs> yeah. It should just be called cellular debris. Yeah, but, but well, <laughs> they do have a function. They have and a I job, guess, yeah. I, I guess, yeah, you could, you could call them cells. Yeah. Um, right. okay, and they are typically not associated with the immune system. See the emphasis on typically, right? <laughs> because if you if you read some recent findings, they are right. Yeah, platelets and red blood cells both have some job in immune cells. They uh, immune system. Mm -hmm. They are not completely um, what do you call indifferent to our immune. Right. Yes. Which is also why we can feel good about putting mm -hmm. these potential debris on yeah. our graph. And you know, yeah, it's difficult to it's difficult to study, let's say, the role of red blood cell in mm -hmm. the body because uh, if you let's say if you want to study how important a B cell is, mm -hmm. you can knock it out. You can right. have an animal that has a B cell knockout, so it won't make a B cell. <laughs> now imagine producing an erythrocyte knockout. That's right. that animal is dead. It's just dead. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, so such mutations are called uh, embryonic lethal mm -hmm. because these animals die early in their embryonic stage because of course red blood cells are required for survival and if you don't have them if you knock out the gene that let's say goes for erythropoidin right and so yep you have a dead animal so you cannot study, you red, can't how study that. red blood cells so it becomes a it's challenging task to uh, to find out how important these are 
Yeah, mm-hmm. I know. I apart from their typical function. Right. Yeah. Of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't really think about red blood cells that often. I just think about <laughs> lysing them out yeah. of my <laughs> out, out of your uh, bone marrow extract. I take the bone marrow and I'm like, get these red blood cells out of here now. <laughs> oh man, maybe you're missing an important part of your. Could be missing uh, it. Yeah. Okay. All right. So at this point, now we are getting into the the cell types that occur down on the or a little down on the x-axis which is complexity so we are still looking at uh, relatively smaller cells Mm -hmm. but they are down on the complexity right and more to the more to the right mm -hmm. uh, yeah and because they have granules Mm -hmm. and therefore they are called granulocytes okay the myeloid progenitor differentiate into a granulocyte precursor and these are highly complex cells okay again right. complex granular granular okay right. when i say complex let's talk about the first uh, granular site which i believe is very important a neutrophil neutrophils are the most abundant cell type in the whole immune system right uh, that, so they are super abundant and despite that they are not people don't work on neutrophils as much as you would expect them because of the abundance. Right. Mm-hmm. And neutrophils are the first responders to the site of tissue damage. So if you cut your skin right now, your dead cells and the neighboring cells will be releasing certain cytokines mm-hmm. that will activate the, endothe- the endothelial cells, which are on your blood vessels. Mm-hmm. And these blood vessels will allow the, the blood neutrophils to get in the tissue and find out what's going on. At the same time, there will be growth factors secreted, which will allow more neutrophils to be formed in the bone marrow. So this becomes very, these are super important cells because they are the first responders. And since we are talking about neutrophils, I want to uh, bring, uh, I want to bring up something very cool that they do. There is this thing called neutrophil extracellular trap. Have you heard of those? I have not. Okay. So this phenomenon is called netosis. Neutrophil extracellular trap osis. Okay. What they do is they literally spit out their chromatin. Oh. Yeah. And sometimes they don't die after that. They huh. still survive some sometimes. So they're going to spit out their whole chromatin and they're going to trap extracellular things in this net of chromatin. Okay. So they're using their chromatin, which <laughs> is supposed to be a genetic material used for coding, coding proteins, they're using it as a trap. Isn't, wow. isn't that cool? That is super cool. That's like best out of waste or something. You, <laughs> yeah. You're dying anyway. Let's <laughs> as well <laughs> trap everything. Yeah. And these and so the, the these pathogens that are trapped in this these neutrophil traps, the trap that is made up out of chromatin, they can be cleared later by macrophages. So the best thing is that they're immobilized. So these pathogens can no longer act on whatever they were doing. They are they're stuck there. Okay. Although these nets, I will call them nets, neutrophil extracellular traps, mm-hmm. they're also involved in certain autoimmune diseases, but mm-hmm. that's not the focus of today's podcast. Okay. Okay. So yeah, that's really nice. One of the things how they do, other other way they can kill bacteria, let's say, is through phagocytosis. And uh, they can also, also dump their um, uh, lytic enzymes out in the open, which okay. is something called frustrated phagocytosis <laughs> just putting it out there not giving you too much information <laughs> <laughs> wow that's really cool that's right and so yeah i i really like neutrophils maybe one day i, yeah. would, I would get to work on them maybe i'll mm-hmm. work with them um next uh let's talk about basophils so uh, actually we we not i not mentioned something about neutrophils the reason they're called neutro 
because they stain with neutral dyes. So phil means attracted right. or philia. Right. Neutral means attracted to neutral neutral things. So when you strain stain these cells with a neutral dye, they will take this strain stain. Okay. Okay. And when you stain them with a nuclear dye, you can see there have three lobes of nucleus. Mm-hmm. Okay. And they're not three different nuclei. They're just three lobes. It's like if I took a balloon and I pinched it from the middle, yep. now it will have these two lobes. Right. Now, similarly, they have three lobes. Right. Okay. Now, I cannot imagine how I would have to squeeze a balloon to make it like three <laughs> lobes. But I think people get the idea. I think you get the idea. Okay. Um, and I, I believe this three lobe something is, it helps them with the netosis. But I, oh. but it, it could, but I will not, I'll, I'll not, please don't cite me on this. No, 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 <laughs> don't cite him, yeah. Um, I remember the first time I read a paper, or it must have been a textbook, that mm-hmm. said, like, multi-lobed nucleus. Mm-hmm. I, because I was reading it, I, like, didn't, I couldn't get the phrase yeah. multi-lobed. And it's I had to, like, Google that, right? it, and I was like, what is this word? And then it made sense after mm-hmm. that. So I, I really like your balloon analogy. Okay, thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, next, we are going to basophils. So, remember the same nomenclature: neutrophils, philia towards neutral dyes. Yep. Basophils, philia towards basic dyes. Okay. And base basophils, they are, well, let's say basophils are involved with clearing extracellular parasitic infections because the granules inside basophils they are way different from what the the ones in neutrophils. Mm-hmm. Neutrophils are better at killing. They are also better at killing. Uh, Parasites, let's say, mm-hmm. and uh, and bacteria, but they the and they neutrophils carry enzymes, while basophils are more known for things that cause inflammation and call other other cells. Right. Okay. So basophils will have these uh, very uh, very inflammatory chemicals inside them that will allow that will that allow more cells to come in, and these are also some of the cells that are involved in allergic responses. Right. Okay. Yes. Next, we go to eosinophils. Okay. Wait. So okay. I have a small question. Mm-hmm. So for neutrophils with like neutral dyes, mm-hmm. so in that we're referring to the charge of the dye, yes, right? Yes. Okay. So then with basophils, basic dyes, mm-hmm. what kind of? Oh yeah. So basophils will have a negative charge. Negative. I mean, I mean, basophils. So basic I, I'm dye. assuming the granules in the basophils are positively charged. Mm-hmm. That's why they're attracted to the negatively charged dyes. Okay. Okay. Next, we go to eosinophils. Mm-hmm. Eosin is an acidic dye. Okay. It's just the name of a dye, eosin. And oh. since they stain with eosin, we call them <laughs> eosinophils. Okay. So they are the they are opposite in charge based on basophils. They mm-hmm. they probably have uh, negatively charged granules, which makes them attract, which makes them easy to stain with uh, a, an acidic dye, which is positively charged. Right. Okay. And. Eosinophils, well, they also fight extracellular parasites. It's just, um, so w- some of the ways that these cells are different is they respond to different kind of stimuli, mm-hmm. okay? Uh, for example, I know eosinophils are involved a lot in lungs. They, they, are a, they are a lot present in lungs and in case of lung infections, they are, they are, there are growth factors secreted that will help in creation of more eosinophils. But, I did not know that. Yeah, but honestly, I, I'm sure eosinophils are also present in other places. But yeah, there is there is less information about these granulocytes yeah, compared I, I to really the lymphocytes. Yeah, the lymphocytes yeah. they are they are the big bosses. Yeah, <laughs> and people like to study them more. So uh, so that's why we have more information about them. So are there many like? Parasites in the lungs that people get. Uh, eosinophils, well, is eosinophils also care? Actually, they also take care of 
inf- uh, bacterial infections. Okay, okay. Okay. So I guess they're also involved somewhere in that. Huh. That is interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the mast cells. Well, I bet if anybody already knows about mast cells, the only reason they know about it is because of their ability to cause allergies. Allergies. <laughs> allergies and a- autumn. <laughs> oh. Since autumn has some allergies, I I'm sure she has a very personal vendetta against I, mast cells. <laughs> I have a personal vendetta against mast cells. I have about probably literally seven different food allergies and it is oh man very sad for me we should we, we should try an experimental muscle depletion <laughs> therapy on you okay yeah. yeah let's i'll be a human trial for your paper that would be so good yeah. if you had oh, human trials oh, wait here. we can't discuss that here irb oh, will listen oh, oh irb no we're kidding we're kidding <laughs> <laughs> don't put us in behind the bars no no <laughs> that was a joke yeah I'll, i'll meet you later okay we'll discuss after we record <laughs> okay muscles So one of the things that mast cells do which is common with basophils is that these mast cells uh, and basophils they express a particular immunoglobulin receptor called FC receptor epsilon mm-hmm. which receives I immunoglobulin E mm-hmm. okay and immunoglobulin E's they are m- mostly in uh mostly associated with allergies my nemesis yes so if, for example if there is an immunoglobulin e an antibody e against um peanut peanut allergen okay this antibody will go and stick to basophil these these fc receptors on uh, basophils and mast cells mm-hmm. and they will wait once a peanut allergen binds to these antibodies that are already sticking to the mast cells or basophils mm-hmm. this will trigger a reaction inside which will cause the mast cell and the basophil to secrete their granules right. so now remember i we talked about the inflammation inflammatory um, mediators inside these granules mm-hmm. since these are out in the open in the in the extra in the blood or extracellular fluid let's say they, they are going to call more immune cells to that place and that's why you have these redness and inflammation that right. so this is all the reason now if you want to ask me how this starts how allergy starts that's a big field maybe we can have yeah. we can uh, have we can, an allergy episode we could have an allergy episode and to be honest it's not very well understood just that's like true. everything else in immunology that's true <laughs> yeah. so yeah basophils mast cells two of the important cells when it comes to allergies yes. okay And now that we have we are done talking about granulocytes mm-hmm. we can move to A granulocytes mm-hmm. again imagine the graph things that appear up on the x axis mm-hmm. that means towards the origin towards okay towards the origin the origin yeah Okay, so less complex. Yeah, less complex. Okay, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, because okay. they have their yeah. A so granulocytes. granulocytes, so they are less complex. So they would be closer to the origin. All so right. So we kind of we went from close to the origin, further away from the origin, and then Now coming, we're back, coming back, to, back, yeah, closer to the origin. Yeah. Oh, because because these are these are also li- uh, some lymphos. I mean, not lymphos. Larger in size. These are also larger in size. Yeah, yes. some of them are larger in size. Yeah. Okay, so let's get in there. So now we'll talk about macrophages and dendritic cells, and both of these cells are derived from a common precursor called a monocyte. So monocytes are large cells and they can migrate to tissues from the blood and then differentiate into a macrophage or dendritic cell based on different growth factors that they're mm-hmm. exposed to. And again, where are these lying on the uh, on this graph? So on our graph we have um when we are referring to the x-axis closer to the origin mm-hmm. when we're referring to the y-axis which is the size which is 
the y-axis is size, they are f higher, um, okay. further away from the origin, okay. because they are larger. Okay. And uh, and they're less complex. They don't have mm -hmm. granules. Oh, they, they actually they do have granules, but just not as much as the granule right, size. Right, yeah. right, Um. So. Um. Yeah, so they differentiate based on growth factors that are there. Um, a common function for both macrophages and dendritic cells is mm -hmm. that as antigen presenting cell or antigen antigen presenting cells, <laughs> they are antigen presenting cells, mm -hmm. meaning they present antigen, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, so we remember the MHC one and MHC two. Uh, did we, I, I, I'm not sure if we discussed MHC two. We discussed oh. MHC one. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. So MHC one, go ahead. Mm -hmm. So MHC one, if if you remember from the from our second episode, I guess your second. Yeah, it would have been second. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we described MHC one as an ID card, as a physical card. Yep. Which presents some information on it. So okay. it's about yourself. Yes. So it's you. You are your antigen presenting cells are presenting your. Oh no no actually so. MHC1 would be expressed by everything. So right. antigen presenting cell would be MHC2, which we'll take we'll talk about a little bit later. Right. But MHC1 would be anything, any any self cell which has a nucleus. So that means red blood cells and platelets are out of the option. Right. So any cell that has a nucleus would have MHC1 expression. MHC1 is like an ID card which presents information on it as a, in the form of self peptides. So these are peptides that are derived from some intracellular protein from the from this from the cell cell. Okay. Is there no MHC one on antigen presenting cells? Oh no, there are. Okay. So so actually, uh, every cell. I said every cell right, has right, MHC one. Right. But okay. the reason uh, macrophages or dendritic cells are called antigen presenting cells, it's because of MHC two. Right, because right. everything else also presents MHC one. Right, right. So remember, MHC one is your own identity card. Okay. Yeah. It's the so there are two factors to this. First, the, the physical card, which is the MHC one, and then the information on it, which is the peptide being produced. You need to have a cell need to have both of these things and uh, to provide both of these correct information in order to survive in the body. Mm -hmm. Okay, because if you have a bad MHC one, for example, uh, or if you have the let's say if you have the right MHC one but a wrong information on it, mm -hmm. you will be destroyed by something called a cytotoxic T cell. Okay because they are able to recognize MHC1 and the peptide on it. And they know that this is not a cell, this is not a peptide that's my own. So this is a foreign cell or a mutated cell, needs to be destroyed. Now, if you have a bad MHC1 itself, if your card is broken, let's say, yeah. <laughs> okay, regardless of what peptide is presented there, there is a cell type called natural killer cell, which we're going mm -hmm. to talk about. That cell is going to kill, kill this using some cytotoxic mechanisms. Right. Okay, so remember, two different phenomena, bad card and bad information, uh, call different cell types to act on it, okay? okay. So that's how MHC1 makes sure that only your own cells survive in the body and nobody else, okay? Mm -hmm. And the reason it's called MHC or major histocompatibility complex is because when you have a tissue donation or a graft, you yeah. have an organ donation, this becomes the most important or major <laughs> gene that determines whether or not your immune response will, your immune response, your immune system will accept this or not. Will it be compatible? Will it be compatible or not? Oh, thank you for <laughs> yeah. that. So major histamine tissue and compatibility. Yes. Okay. So MHC1 is super important. Yes. And next is MHC2, 
which is which is uniquely expressed on antigen presenting cells like macrophages and dendritic cells yes all right what these MHC2s do is they, they are also ID cards, mm-hmm. except the information presented on the MHC2 is for foreign pathogens. Mm-hmm. So it's like you, you see those those uh, paper flyers on the <laughs> uh, on the building walls that say, please find this person <laughs> or uh, this guy. Or, or guy like find, wanted. Wanted. Yeah, yeah wanted. Yeah. And yeah. not fine. <laughs> wanted. Okay. So this is the kind of thing. You have, you have an MHC2, which is a similar identity card, like... Mm-hmm. MHC1, but it presents foreign antigens on it. Mm-hmm. So if a macrophage phagocytosis a bacteria, yep. it's going to break it down and present its peptides on the MHC2. A specialized cell called a helper T cell yep. is going to come here and a helper T cell will use its T cell receptor to interact with MHC2. And if it, if it recognizes this thing, it's going to cause inflammation. It's going to it's going to make this macrophage or dendritic cell more inflammatory so it can clear the infection. Okay? okay. So remember, MHC2s is identified by the helper T cell. Yep. Okay. And MHC2 is expressed by a macrophage or a dendritic cell or any antigen presenting cell. Right. Meanwhile, MHC1 is expressed by all the cells and is being is identified by either a cytotoxic T cell or in some cases by natural killer cells. Right. So this is a lot of things to remember, but if you know this, I, you know, I'll be honest, until I started my PhD, I was very confused about how or what helper and cytotoxic T cells do. I knew cytotoxic T cells kill, mm-hmm. and I knew helper T cells help, but that's all. Right, <laughs> that's right. the only thing I knew. <laughs> now uh, now I feel more com- comfortable because I know exactly how they interact. Right. Okay. Which is which is super important if you are into if you are to stay in immunology or if you are to even pass the course if you if you if you are taking <laughs> the course. <laughs> yeah. Okay. There's one thing that dendritic cells and macrophages are different. Actually, there are many things dendritic cells and macrophages are different differing in. Mm-hmm. So the common thing is antigen presentation, mm-hmm. but the dif- what distinguishes them is the dendritic cells are much better at antigen prof- uh, presentation. Right. Therefore, therefore, they're called professional antigen presenting cells. <laughs> okay. They're re- they're really good. Uh, they can take. They, they're even called the brain of the immune system. Right. Okay. Because they regulate. They actually control T cells. B cell. I mean, they control T cells, and T cells are also kind of brain of the immune system. Right. So these guys are the at the top of the headquarters somewhere okay when i was first learning about um like the difference between dendritic cells and macrophages um and my teacher because this was like in high school whatever the, <laughs> my teacher was like oh they're professional antigen presenting cells so in my head even to this day, mm-hmm. I always imagine dendritic cells with like a little like business suit. Oh, like they're man. like, I'm going to work. I'm pro- a professional. With a bit of tie. And with like, like a little tie, do. a little like briefcase. <laughs> they're like they're little like like things. Oh, are I, I, I'm, I'm sure a lot of people think of them as like. <laughs> yeah, it helps me remember that they're like mm-hmm. better than macrophages. Yeah, they're better. It, so. And what dendritic cells do is, in short, why they're professional is because mm-hmm. they pick up these antigens from from the um let's say inner tissue mm-hmm. and they capture it they pre- and they go to the lymph nodes or spleen where they present it to other t cells okay mm-hmm. because remember mhc2s can only be recognized by cd4 t cells right I'm, I'm sorry helper t cells let's not bring that cd4 here okay helper okay. t cells helper t cells okay uh, so yeah that's how dendritic cells are different now the way macrophages are different apart from being apcs or antigen presenting cells macrophages are the janitors of the body or if you remember our joke from the halloween special 
They are the Grim Reapers. Yes. They are the yes. Grim Reapers. So if there is a dead cell, they are going to clear that so that that's, that dead cell does not initiate inflammation. Right. Okay. Even cells that are going through apoptosis, macrophages clear them. Right. So macrophages are super important. In fact, uh, macrophages are one of the first cells to appear during a fetal development stage. Mm-hmm. If, if, if that, wasn't that a trivia question? I think, was it? Yeah, yeah. There, uh, yeah we, we asked whether all the hematopoietic stem cells are derived from the all the macrophages in an adult are derived from uh, hem- oh, uh, hematopoietic yes, stem cells right, yeah. right. okay and every, everybody who answered that correctly you have my good wishes yes thank you <laughs> thank you um so yeah the, uh, macrophages are very important and that is all the cells that we're going to discuss from the myeloid compartment mm-hmm. okay i hope we did a fine job and yeah, and now we can move to all the cells that are derived from the lymphoid compartment. Right. Coming to the lymphoid compartment. Wait, wait, oh. wait, wait. Okay. We didn't what, what do happened? our um, trivia, which is relates to the myeloid compartment. Oh yeah, before yes. we go to that. Okay, so, okay. I'm really sorry. Yes, we posted <laughs> the second trivia. Our trivia. What was that? So our trivia number two was which immune cell type is most abundant in humans? Damn it! I answered that already. You answered it. So <laughs> the answer is. Neutrophils. Okay, so we have two people who got it right. The first one is Ricardo Cotto Rodriguez, and he is from the University of Florida, and he is studying halophilic archaea. That's interesting. That's 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 cool. Um, The second person is Aransasu Arias, and they're from the Autonomous University of Querétaro in Mexico. Plus Plus one points for you. For Spanish pronunciation. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, in my previous life, I speak Spanish. In your so, Spanish. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, my accent is okay. <laughs> yeah, that's that, that's a good one. Thank you, thank you, Ricardo and Aranzasu, for uh, for actually coming up with the right answers. Yes, yes good we'll, job. We'll be posting our trivia number three very soon, and uh, hopefully we'll have more people coming up with the right answers. Yes. 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 Okay. Now coming back to our our discussion about the immune cell types we are here with the lymphoid compartment okay yes. and the lymphoid compartment again the I, I would call it most important just because we know more about these right okay we uh, there's there are more researchers working on the lymphoid cells than the myeloid cells okay right. and with respect to the immune system okay right so first the first uh, lymphoid cell that I want to talk about is our T cells and T cells are well. They are. They're also big. Yeah, okay. Yes. T cells are also big, and but they're less complex. So again, going back to the graph, they are, they are away from the origin on the y-axis. Yes. Closer to the origin on the x-axis. Right. Okay. And are they? Are they? Um. How do they relate in size to? Um, monocytes. Yeah. Oh, actually, I'm not sure. Okay. Yep. I'm not sure either. I'm not sure either. So anyway, these T cells, yep, and they all are. We call them T cells because they they express something called a T cell receptor, TCR. Mm-hmm. And these T cell receptors are are very closely associated with a molecule. For helper T cells, it is called CD4. So mm-hmm. remember, cluster of differentiation four. Yep. Okay. If you find a T cell which expresses it, if you find a cell, let's say, 
okay, which expresses the T cell receptor and it expresses CD4 by default, you would call it a helper T cell. Okay, okay so that's how the uh, the distinguishing ability comes from because of monoclonal antibodies. Right. Okay. Because the size, complexity, they they help us they help us narrow down to somewhat cellular level. Mm-hmm. But if we want want higher resolving ability, we need to use these markers, which are only possible thanks to monoclonal antibodies, and also flow cytometry, some advanced flow cytometries, which right. use colors for and use fluorescence for separating or uh, distinguishing. Right. Okay. Yep. Another molecule called CD8 is unique to cytotoxic T cells. Mm-hmm. So if you have a if you have a cell that expresses T cell receptor, and the CD8 molecule, we would call it cytotoxic T cell. It's pretty simple, right? Pretty simple. So both all T cells express TCRs, okay? Um, and if it expresses CD4, it is. The T helper cell. Yes, and CD8 is going to be cytotoxic T cell. So, um, I guess this is just a general question too. Mm-hmm. So, if you were doing flow cytometry and you have you're doing it with the monoclonal antibodies, mm-hmm. so if you have one side as um, like CD4, you mm-hmm. want to find your T helper cells. Mm-hmm. Would the other side be TCR? like TCR? So you can have so TCR is a it's a dimer. It's mm-hmm. a dimeric unit compared compare, composed of an alpha and beta. Right. Okay. So would you do one of those? So you can do one of those. Okay. Normally, people do another another unique molecule called mm-hmm. CD3, cluster okay. of differentiation three, which is also unique to uh, T cells. Mm-hmm. Actually, yes, it, it's 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 unique to T cells, and it is exp- It is also closely located with TCR. So okay. TCR, CD3, and either CD4 or CD8, they're all very close attached because they all form a complex when they recognize their respective MHC. Which okay. brings us to, remember, T, uh, helper T cells recognize MHC2. Mm-hmm. So the MHC2 rec- uh, interacts with the TCR mm-hmm. and the CD4. Right, so right. CD4 is that. that thing that gives the specificity to MHC, MHC2. Mm-hmm. On the other side, you might have already guessed it, if cytotoxic T cells interact with MHC1, mm-hmm. that means the CD8, which is unique to these cells, is providing them the specificity to right. interact with CD, uh, MHC1. Right. Okay? I think that's clear. I think it's clear. Um, mm-hmm. So can cells, um, cells, can they have CD4 and CD8? Oh, I I don't know if I, I I have never come across any cell type that expresses both. I do know that there are double negative cells which right. do not express any of them. Right. Okay. And it's possible. Maybe I, I, so. I'm not sure about the development stage of T cells. It's maybe there are double positive T cells, but I again don't cite me on that. I think I'm just thinking of the double negatives. Though. Yeah. So double negative definitely double negatives exist, and they're mostly associated with the diseases, autoimmune right. diseases. But double positive, I am not sure. Okay, now an important thing: Can a T cell exist without a T cell receptor? No. No, and you know why? It's because when these when these T cells they're initially formed in the bone marrow, they're called thymocytes. These thymocytes go into the thymus, which is their their center of training. This is their they're trained for battle, and and as you might already know, the TCR is important for their ability to function, okay? Because for example, uh, CD4 helper T cell, this uh, the CD4 is the molecule that interacts with the MHC2. The TCR is what interacts with the information on MHC2. 
So the peptide that is being present in our MHC2 is going to interact with TCR and a specific TCR will be able to recognize that peptide and it's going to launch an attack on whatever is uh, whatever is the source of this peptide, okay? So that means the TCRs are very important for their function. Therefore, our thymus makes sure that any cell that does not have a functional TCR is eliminated before it is sent into circulation. Mm -hmm. So that this is called an, a, a, a negative selection because if you do not, if you cannot express TCR, you are rooted out. Right. It's like if you're an army and I know actually, let's say in Air Force, at least in India, if you don't have a perfect vision, you right. cannot, I don't know. If like that's, if you're colorblind or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it is, they even have some some uh, scales for measuring how important, how, how accurate your eye is. Okay. That makes sense. And if you, if you don't rate a perfect on that, you cannot be a pilot. Okay. Okay. So I, I'm not, I'm not sure about the US okay, Navy. Okay, I, I don't yeah, really know. US Air Force. I, I know. I know. I'm 100% sure you can't be a pilot if you're colorblind. Mm -hmm. I have, that's the okay. end of my knowledge. All right. All right. And I, I don't blame you. <laughs> <It's fine. laughs> I don't want to be a pilot, yeah. so I don't know. That's a similar concept for T-cells. If Since T-cells are supposed to fight, if they don't have the weapon to fight, they it's a waste of energy to support them. So I, don't you think our immune system is very harsh? It is harsh. <laughs> it is harsh. Yeah. yeah. If you can't serve but a purpose, you I'm glad die. it's harsh. I'm glad yeah. it's harsh. Yeah, because of that. So I think it's for a greater good of the whole organism right because these cells are allowed to survive we are spending energy on things that are doing nothing right right okay so that's so now you know any t-cell that is present in your body is is functional another way uh, t-cells are regulated is it's called actually the one that i said is the for tcr where the tcr presence of tcr makes sure the t-cell survives it's called positive selection, not negative selection, my bad. The negative selection is another process where the T-cells whose TCR respond to self-antigens are negatively selected and they're destroyed. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, oh. You, you, okay, so with positive selection, mm -hmm. you are looking for the presence of TCR. Yes. For negative selection, you are... Looking for cells, you are looking, you are looking for cells that, that recognize your own self and you're eliminating them right it's so, like it's like if you are if you are in police and you cannot you cannot distinguish the bad guys from the good guys you right. are a very bad police <laughs> and that's and you wouldn't make it as the detective yes from our joke and yes this this is where we come to our joke because um actually we have to we have to discuss what b cells do in order to Oh, tell right. how these cells okay, are Okay, I jumped the gun a little okay, bit. <laughs> okay, so we'll, we'll talk about the joke again. But I hope that explains why T-cells are so... T-cells are wetted very well by the in the thymus. Mm -hmm. So only cells that have a functional T-cell receptor and that do not respond to our own antigens make it out of there. And this this double this negative selection part is also called central tolerance mm. because this is a way where this is a center or this is like the tolerance at the center where before they are released into the periphery. Okay, sometimes T cells are educated about uh, antigens in the peripheral organs. Let's say in the skin. Okay, we would call that peripheral tolerance. Okay, okay? but yeah, that's good. Uh, Maybe that should be all we talk about T-cells for now. There's so much. There, and, you could go on and, yeah, on and on and yeah. on. Uh, next, natural killer cells. Natural killer cells are known for their ability to clear tumors. So they're named natural killer because we thought they're just <laughs> naturally capable of killing tumors. Right. But they do have certain criteria that they use to kill them. Uh, there, are, there are two ways that I would talk about how natural killer cells act. One, one of the ways is called 
antibody dependent cell mediated cytotoxicity <laughs> wow say that five times <laughs> See, this is an example of immunologists just really going yeah, for it yeah. with naming <laughs> so it's called adcc again antibody dependent cell mediated cytotoxicity and what it does is a natural killer cell has a lot of these FC receptors. Mm-hmm. So these are different from the FC receptors that are found on the mast cells or basophils, right. okay? FC by the way is the is the region of the antibody that does not bind to the anti, uh, to the uh, antigen. So if you imagine antibody being a Y if as a person who is holding his hands up, yep. okay? Then the hands are the are called FAB, fragment antigen binding. Right. Okay? Because they are the fragment that binds to antigen and the legs of that anti, of that person or the antibody would mm-hmm. be called FC, fragment crystallizable because mm-hmm. when scientists tried to crystallize these, they were only able to crystallize the FC, right. not the FABs. And okay? the FC is a much more conserved um, yes. which is also another way that I remember it, mm-hmm. FC conserved. Oh yeah, yeah that's that's a very um, good way to remember that. Yeah, yeah, C for conserve, although that's not what it stands for. That's but, not what it means. But that's a great way to remember that. Right, and okay. then the FAB region is very variable so it can bind mm-hmm. the antigen. We'll talk. Mm-hmm. And we can t- we'll talk about with the variation in FCs uh, on another episode when we especially talk about anti, uh, antibodies mm-hmm. and gene rearrangements mm-hmm. but for now let's say this FC there's a particular kind of FC that is detected by natural killer cells mm-hmm. and if these natural killer cells find antibodies attached to a to a let's say a tumor mm-hmm. okay these natural killer cells will automatically assume that this is something that's supposed to be eliminated so they come close through the FC receptor they bind to the cell and then they use these two weapons one of the weapons is called one of the weapons is called um what is it called again uh perforin perforin yes. yeah perforin is is um, is an enzyme that can porate that can induce pores mm-hmm. in the membrane and then we use something called granzyme which is weapon number 2 mm-hmm. the granzyme is going to destroy the cell from the within mm-hmm. and this perforin granzyme is the is the is the is, a, is the known arsenal that's going to help this natural killer cell in mm-hmm. elimination of the tumor right okay and see cytotoxic t cells use a similar mechanism i'll just say really quickly we have a uh, a small guest visitor on our podcast <laughs> we have a dog here oh, so if you hear little sounds there is a dog who is visiting our podcast yes. today so just please <laughs> just, please please allow for yeah. the dog guest all right the second mechanism how a natural killer cell kills a tumor is using the mhc1 remember we said there were two two components of the msc1 one is the the id card itself right. and one is the information presented on it right. the information presented on it is being wetted by the t cells right the id card itself is being wetted by the, the natural NK killer cells, cells. The natural yes. killer cells see whether the right kind of id is being presented or not and if not they will kill this tumor cell right. okay and tumor cells do often have aberrant expression of msc1 right okay okay b cells Ooh, nice and b cells finally where we can explain our joke for the day <laughs> yeah yeah we'd have discussed b cells in the previous episode b cells are responsible for making antibodies they can either make it through uh, in a membrane bound form where mm-hmm. the antibodies stuck to their membrane or yeah. they can use make a soluble form of the antibodies where just throw it out into the serum secreted yeah yes secreted form and yeah that's why and that's why um that's why 
B cells. So since B cells are use antibodies, antibodies only recognize things that are on the surface. Right. Okay. While T cells recognize things that are coming from inside the cell. Right. So a T cell actually knows you from inside. <laughs> yes, they'll know if you're a criminal. Yeah. So they know you. They they you cannot lie to a T cell. It knows you because it's not. It, it you cannot fool it by expressing something outside that is your own or that's like I, I mean you could be different from inside, mm-hmm. but you could be pretending to be normal from outside. Right. So you are. It's your. It's really easy to fool a B cell right. but a T cell will know because it's going to take these fragments on the MHC and these fragments of peptides are derived from some things that are inside right okay that makes sense that makes sense and that's why they are better detectives and it's very funny yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I hope it was funny <laughs> the last type of lymphocyte is innate lymphoid cells these are very recently discovered innate lymphoid cells. I don't know hardly anything about yeah, them. Yeah, I'm not going to talk much about them. I'll just say that they have a lot of overlapping functions and they're called innate because T cells and B cells, both of them have both of them have these either T cell receptors or B cell receptors, mm-hmm. which makes them uh, uh, antigen specific. Right. Innoid, innate lymphoid cells are like the myeloid, some of the like macrophage genetic cells, right. which do not recognize specifically. They just act generally right okay. and so and this also goes into the separation like from our first episode mm-hmm. innate versus adaptive yes th- that's right yeah and yeah innate lymphocytes they have a lot of uh, overlapping functions some of the functions overlap with muscle cells some uh, some overlap with uh, macrophages some overlap with natural killer cells but mm-hmm. let's just say they are there and we're not going to go much deep into there all right all right and i think we can wrap up I our episode at this yeah. point yeah um so we've learned a lot about different cell types what they do mm-hmm. how they're similar how they are different and um if you guys have questions please email us again antibodies1 at gmail.com and we also have our uh, Facebook page antibodies yes. um, where Very. you can keep an eye out for our next trivia yes and also for memes also for memes nice there's memes. millions of memes that are posted <laughs> by our hardworking Jetin yes. and then we also have a Twitter that's antibodies P for antibodies podcast mm-hmm. um, so that's our Twitter and I, I cannot post as many memes as he does, but it's I fine. do my best. It's fine. So follow us on Twitter as well. Yes, we are now on Stitcher as well, if I not make it clear. And we are we should be very soon on iTunes as well. We're, yeah, we're running into some little speed bumps with Apple Podcasts. So we, we are working on it and we will be there soon. Yes. Thank you for listening. Uh, shoot us any questions you have and have a good day. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>